to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives, and follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. A reminder, if you've not already, I do encourage you to pick up my book, Slime Incorporated. It's available as a paperback and audiobook, or wherever fine ebooks are sold. And you can find all my books, audiobooks, and ebooks listed at store.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of Philo Vance. The original air date, February 6, 1947. And the title of this one is The Tree Trunk Murder Case. Can't you go any faster, driver? We've got a train to catch. Don't make it, Mac. Don't worry. <laughs> Relax, Markham. There's really no use in starting off a vacation weekend by worrying about anything. You know, Vance, I still don't believe we're going. I imagine that nobody has ever started a vacation without that immortal line, Markham. <laughs> you're quite certain no murder case came up this morning that you're running out on? Now, you know better than that, Vance. I know you're too good a district attorney to walk out on a crime just to rest, even for a weekend. I'm satisfied we're missing nothing. And I'm equally satisfied that we'll find nothing exciting up at Northville, Vance. It's lumber country, peaceful country, very rarely any trouble. Perhaps you're right. I certainly hope I'm right. Well, there we go, Markham, starting off a vacation weekend with entirely different viewpoints. <laughs> Couple more ought to do it, Johnny. Right, Frank. I'll take it from here. You just stand by. Check. That did it. She's starting to splinter. On the way, everybody. Timber! Well, that's that. In an hour, she'll be hauled down to the stream and be on her way to the mill. I'll get down there this afternoon and look things over. Haven't been down there this week. Don't let the boss find that out. Like it's not, he won't like it. Bill Avery? I don't think I care whether he likes it or not. Hey there, you two. Speak of the devil. You can talk to Bill if you like. He makes me sick. Got some checking to do, Bill. I'll get to you later. I'm just as glad Johnny left, Frank. Don't think he likes me. Like as not, he don't. Well, I'm not very worried. Want to talk to you anyhow. Not right now, Bill. I got lumber to look at. Do it later. Anybody wants to know why you're not working, tell him boss wanted to talk to you. I am the boss, remember, Frankie. You never were one to let anyone forget it. Don't it bother you none that I got this here axe in my hand? <laughs> you wouldn't do anything about me, Frankie. If you were going to do something, you'd have done it a couple years ago when I took over this mill. Like it's not your right. Only don't get no ideas that I forget things. Like the fact that this mill was your dad's till I produced a deed to it after he died? I bought the mill... And all this ground in Northville from him just for his death. And you know it. Do I? I'm glad you told me. Well, there goes another one. 
I get a swell feeling when a big one like that gets cut down and crashes. I know what you mean. Like as not, I'd get the same kind of feeling if a big one like you was cut down and crashed, too. at the mill today, son? Yeah, yeah, Mom. Everything is all right. William, I, um... Look, Mom, keep knitting, will you? Leave me alone. I want to read the paper. Mill shut down for the day. I don't want to talk about it. I've been meaning to talk to you about something else, William. About Doris. Well, what about her? She called a little while ago to say she was on the way over. Doris is a nice girl, William. You've been seeing her for five years. You should be married to her. Oh, I should, should I? Just like that, huh? Just because you say so. Well, I... Okay, now I'll tell you something. I'm not going to marry her, ever. Now, just assume we didn't discuss it any further. Don't talk to me like that, William. Why not? To make you feel any better, I've taken care of Doris in my will. Taken care of her very nicely for these five years, but I'm not going to... That's probably Doris now. Come in. Good evening, Miss Avery. Oh. Hello, Will. Good evening, Doris. Why, hello, Johnny. What'd you bring that brother of yours along for? Bodyguard? Maybe she isn't the one that's going to need one, Bill. Evening, Mrs. Avery. Johnny. I want to talk to you, Bill. Johnny, you promised me you wouldn't start nothing. You promised, Johnny. Isn't anything I'm starting, sis. Something I'm finishing. Mrs. Avery, would it be putting you out too much if you went upstairs with Doris? Hey, what is this? Hey, it wasn't none of my doing. Well, honest, it wasn't. Johnny just made up his mind to come with me tonight. You know, Johnny, when he makes up his mind to do something. Come on, Doris. I'll show you the scarf I crocheted. Finished it this morning, and I'm starting on a sweater for you. All right, Miss Avery, I'd love to see it. Maybe you show me that cross stitch. Okay, Johnny. What's this all about? It's right simple, Bill. Like you suppose, it's about Doris. You've been seeing her for five years, keeping every other fellow away. When are you going to marry her, Bill? Suppose I tell you I'm not going to marry her. Then I'll tell you that that's something you should have decided four or five years ago. A little late for that kind of thing, I'd say. Well, go ahead. Say it. If you have anything else to say, say that too and get out. I haven't anywhere to go. You haven't, huh? All right, then I have. And right now, a man can't stay in his own house without being hounded to death. Tell my mother and your sister that I've gone out. Sure, sure, I'll tell them. Only you're not going very far, Bill. Fact is, you haven't got very far to go at all from now on. Okay, men, keep those logs from jamming. Roll them and keep them straight. Hey, Mike, take care of that one. It's going down Billy's side. Keep them moving now. Keep them pointing toward the mill. Morning, Johnny. Hiya, Frank. Just want to straighten out the boys on that timber we cut yesterday. Keep those logs rolling now. Keep them going downstream. What's going on? Oh, nothing much. I thought maybe you'd like to knock over a couple of big ones with me this morning. Brought your axe here in case you did. Okay with me. Come on. There's a big baby just waiting for us yonder. Uh-huh. Glad you brought that axe of mine. I know what I'd really like to do with it. I was over to Bill Avery's house last night. Well, like it's not, I know what you mean. I... Johnny, look. I'm looking. That's Bill Avery. Looks like he got caught under this tree just as he was falling. He's dead, Johnny. 
That tree did it, all right. Yeah. Landed right on top of him. Hey, this thing here wasn't no accident, Johnny. No. No, I reckon it wasn't. Only as far as anybody else is concerned, it was an accident, wasn't it, Frankie? Yeah. That's what I thought. Better wake up, Markham. We're almost there. Mm. Well, oh, oh, uh, sorry, Vance. Must have dozed. Dozed? <laughs> You've been fast asleep for the past two hours. Fine way to start our weekend vacation. Oh, I don't know. Vacations are for doing things you don't get a chance to do while you're working. Like sleeping. Well, don't tell me this business of being a district attorney keeps you up every night. <laughs> no, Vance. It only seems as if it's every night. Did it stop, Northville? That's what the conductor said. Well, let's go, Markham. Our bags are at the front door already. I'm ready. Two whole days with nothing to do but play and fish. Oh, it sounds beautiful. I didn't even let the office know where I was going. Neither did I. Well, this is it. This is Northville. I'll hop down and take the bags, Markham. <clears throat> Hand them to me, will you? Here you are. What? Yep. Yep. Right. Well... Nobody else seems to be getting off this train. Good, at least we know we've not been found. <laughs> the only person in sight is that old fellow over at the station window, Markham. What's more reasonable, then, that we talk to him? Nothing. Let's do it. We've got to talk to somebody, I suppose. We've got to find our hotel, get those bags moved, get directions to the fishing ground. Uh, hello there. How do you do, sir? Hello, Sonny. Who's your friend? Well, let's say his name is Smith. Well, if that's the way you want it, it's okay with me. What you want it for? Horse stealing? <laughs> I, I was, but they dismissed the charge. <laughs> where is everybody? Here I am. What's on your mind? Oh, we'd like to know where our hotel is. What happened, Sonny? Lose your hotel? Dang careless of you. <laughs> oh, brother. Uh, look, my friend, we had a reservation at the Northville Mansion House. Now, how do we get there? Take a cab. And where do we find the cab driver? That's me. That, well, that's fine. Now, can we get the baggage agent to move our bags? Sure. That's me, too. Versatile, aren't you? How do we find the way to the fishing grounds? Get a guide. And that's... Nope, nope. That's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, where is he? <laughs> hey, he's to the funeral. Everybody in town's to the funeral. Bill Avery. Never saw a town so happy a fellow was dead. Owned a mill here, did. Only got it in a swindle. Hires lots of folks from around here. Only don't pay him hardly nothing. Weren't very well liked, I can tell you that. Everybody disliked him, eh? Yep. What did he die of? Vance. Oh, we're still on vacation, Markham. I didn't mean anything by it. Well, I don't know what he died of, huh? Well, a tree fell on him. Of course, somebody had to cut that tree down. But somehow, nobody bothered to figure that out. Well, here goes our vacation. I can see that. <laughs> I think I'll send a notice to the fish around here saying, we're busy. Don't bother biting. <laughs> yeah. What's that you say, mister? Well, uh... You know... You talk awful funny. You're the type of fella they call character, ain't you? Oh, no. <laughs> I beg your pardon, is Mrs. A... Well, hello there. Hi. Your baggage agent, cab driver, and also butler for Mrs. Avery? Nope. Just happened to be town sheriff, that's all. Hey, mister, you asked a lot of questions at the station a little while back. I'd like to know why. Certainly, Sheriff. You see, I'm Philo Vance. Philo Vance? The investigator? That's right. 
Mountain High Moses. I read about you. Come on in. Miss Avery ain't at home, but come on in. Uh, she'll be back soon. Come Thank on, you. Come on. Yeah, Miss Avery stayed a little extra while at the funeral. Doris came here to fix her some tea, so it'll be here when she got home. Oh, Doris, come here. Yes, sir, Uncle. You want me about something? Doris, yeah. this here is Mr. Philo Vance from the city. How do you do? Hello, Doris. I'm going to wait for Mrs. Avery, but I'd like to talk to you. All right, Mr. Vance. You were engaged to Mr. Avery, weren't you? Well, I guess you couldn't hardly call it that, Mr. Vance. It's something I'd like to think that... You must feel very badly about the accident. No. No, now you come to say that and I come to think of it, I don't feel bad at all. Mm-hmm. Can't understand why, either, Mr. Vance. Oh, there's Miss Avery now. Someone to see you, Miss Avery, Mr. Philo Vance. Well, good evening, Mr. Vance. How do you do? Hello, Clem. Hello, Miss Avery. Won't you please be down, Mr. Vance? Thank you. I'll uh, take your hat and coat, Mrs. Avery. Oh. Your bag and gloves, too, if you like. Oh, no, just my coat, please. I'll keep my hat and gloves on. I'm going out again soon. Yes, ma'am. I'll take it in the next room, maybe. Thank you, dear. Now, Mr. Vance, how can I help you? Miss Avery, this Vance here is a private investigator. Oh. I know this isn't any of my business, but I thought that if there were any doubt about your son's death being an accident, perhaps I could be of assistance. Well, excuse me. I'll go get Doris, fix a cup of tea for me. All right, Clem. You're a stranger in Northville, Mr. Vance, yet you've already heard that my son's death might not have been an accident. Yes, I have. Do you feel that it was? No, but I haven't any idea who might have killed him. I've heard the names Frank Joyce and Johnny Stanley mentioned in that connection. Yes, and I can understand why. Maybe you also heard Doris's name mentioned, Mr. Vance. My son wasn't very good to her while he was alive, even though she is taken care of in his will. Really? But cutting down a tree, could a girl... Do that? I wouldn't know, really. But women in this part of the country are very strong, Mr. Vance, and very active. I'm sorry I can't tell you anything that might help you. I'm sorry, too. But I take it that's a signal for me to go. If you don't mind. Very well. Goodbye, Mrs. Avery. If I didn't know better, I might think that you didn't want whoever murdered your son to be caught. I'm not surprised that you say that, Mr. Vance. As a matter of fact, I don't. This is District Attorney Markham. The tree trunk murder case opened with the finding of the body of mill owner Bill Avery underneath the trunk of a freshly hewn tree. Vance and I, on vacation in the town of Northville found, after talking to Avery's mother, that suspects are Frank Joyce, from whose dad Avery is suspected of swindling the mill, Doris Stanley, Avery's girlfriend, and Johnny Stanley, her brother. Vance has decided to interview Johnny Stanley and finds him at work cutting down a tree. It seems the young I got work to do here, Vance. Talking and working don't go to good together. You're very adept with that axe, Mr. Stanley. Why not? I've been handling one since I was 14. It strikes me as being singularly appropriate that a lumberjack with a grievance, such as you had against Bill Avery, would find some sort of poetic justice in making sure he died the way he did, pinned under a fallen tree. Is that the way it strikes you? What do you know? Oh, I haven't any proof, Mr. Stanley. 
But I think I'm going to postpone the end of my vacation until I do find some. Uh, sorry. The axe slipped. My foot isn't sorry. Another inch or two, and that axe of yours would have done quite a job on it. Yeah, I know. Too bad. Now I gotta take time to clean the dirt off before I go to work on this tree again. Well, take a good look at that axe, if you like. And at my back, Vance. Gotta see how the logs are moving downstream. Hmm. Interesting young man. Vance. Vance, I've been looking for you. Oh, hello, Markham. Well, this is quite a vacation we're having, isn't it? Personally, I prefer our original intention, fishing. This is relatively the same thing. We have a murderer to catch. That's the principal difference. If our bait is right and our technique correct, we'll land him. Hey, Frank! Frank! Hey, Johnny! Hop over here, will you? I want to talk to you. Those logs are going downstream, okay? Check! Like as not, they don't need me to send them down the mill anyhow. What's up? Walk up here a little way with me. I got to talk to you. I know what about, too, don't I? That's right. About Bill's death and those two city fellas who've been buzzing around. You mean Vance? Yeah, he's one of them. Talk to you? A little while ago. Had an idea I knocked over a tree so that it fell on Bill. Uh, he's got an idea everybody around here knocked over that tree. Make a deal with you, Frank. Like as not, I'm going to say okay. Hmm. That's what I want to hear. Look, Frank. Whatever we know about Bill Avery's death, we keep to ourselves. You keep your mouth shut, and I'll do the same. Well? Suits me fine. Never did like strangers butting in the business of us peaceful folks at Northville. <laughs> yourself. Only you couldn't get me to wear a coat nor gloves on this job. Roast to death. At least take your gloves off. I really don't mind, Johnny, honestly. And Johnny, I've got to talk to you. It's about Doris. Wait till I turn off this saw. There. There. Now, what about Doris, Mrs. Avery? She been carrying on over Bill's death? She's been crying all morning. Keep saying it's a fault. Johnny, what does that mean? You know as well as I do. Only we're the only ones that are going to know. Well, somebody's over by the door, Johnny. Yeah, I know, Mrs. Avery. Whoever it is, come on in. That Mr. Vance again. Good afternoon, Mrs. Avery. Oh. Hello, Johnny. Good afternoon, Mr. Vance. Vance, what do you want here at the mill? More of your stupid questions, because if you do, I got no time to listen. I got work to do with this saw. Excuse me, Mrs. Avery. Johnny, it isn't stupid questions that I want. I want some intelligent answers. Would you mind turning off that saw? All right. Thank you. Well, let's get this over with. I got work to do. You want me here, Mr. Vance? Very definitely, Mrs. Avery. You can help me a great deal. You see, my investigations find nothing except that a lot of people wanted to see your son dead. Yes, that's probably true. In view of that and the fact that this case has been singularly unproductive of results... 
I wanted both of you to know that Mr. Markham and I are leaving here in the morning. Good. You're leaving Northville tomorrow, Mr. Vance? Yes, I am. That means that if I don't find your son's murderer tonight, that will leave only the sheriff to look for whoever it is. Somehow, I don't believe the sheriff is going to look very hard. I'm playing a long shot, Markham. When we get to the Avery house, I'll know if it worked. As long as I'm in this race somewhere, Vance, perhaps you'll tell me what it is you're betting on. Certainly. I had Dora Stanley call her brother and Frank Joyce over to Mrs. Avery's. I wanted the four of them and the sheriff there when we arrived. And what's the long shot you spoke about? If they're there and things work out the way I plan, I think I can prove to you who murdered Bill Avery. That's what I like about you, Vance. We work side by side in a murder investigation, and you come up with a statement like that. Personally, I haven't found anything yet that points to any one of the suspects. I have. Points rather definitely, too, I'd say. You'll find what I mean when we get to the Avery house. Can I get you something, Mrs. Avery? No, no, thank you, Doris. I'm glad you're starting to feel better. Oh, yes, ma'am, I feel better now. I'm glad you do, Doris, glad you do. It says, what's this mystery all about? Why did you call me here? I can't tell you. I promise not to. Like as not, that means you promised to call me here, too, and promise not to tell why. Yes, Frank, I did. Well, who'd you promise, sis? I, I can't tell you that. I, I promised that nice Mr. Vance. Vance. So, so that's what it is. I thought this was something I could do for Mrs. Avery. Well, that settles it. Come on, Frank. I'm with you, boss. Wait a minute, boys. Have either of you anything to hide from Mr. Van? That's a mighty sharp question, Miss Avery. Should have thought of that in myself. They got nothing to hide, nothing, that is... Not that we know of. Well, then why not wait? Doris, I believe I will have a glass of water, please. Oh, show me, Avery. And then while we're waiting, would you show me how to make that crochet stitch? You promised. I know I did. I'll show it to you in a few days, Doris. Oh, thank you, ma'am. I'll go get you that water. Look, Johnny, like as not, you're going to stick around here and wait for that Vance, but I'm not. Okay, Frank. If he wants us, let him come get us. Miss Avery? Yes. Tell Vance when he comes that we've got no... Good evening, everyone. Oh. Come in, Markham. Oh, good evening, Mr. Vance. I see that Doris did as I asked her to. I owe her a debt of gratitude. You don't owe me nothing, Mr. Vance. And here's your water, Mrs. Avery. Thank you, dear. Well, those are very fine lace gloves you're wearing, Mrs. Avery. Make them yourself? Yes, I did. They uh, match this collar on the cuff. Oh, so I noticed. Miss Avery's going to show me how to crochet in a couple of days, Mr. Vance. I wouldn't be surprised. Now, you two men, Johnny and Frank, this meeting was arranged for your benefit. We don't need any benefits or anything else from you. Look, Johnny, I don't think I'd talk to Vance like that if I were you. No? Who's going to stop me? Well, if I were you again, I wouldn't try to find out. I don't know what anybody else is going to do, but I'm getting out of here. Please don't go yet, Frank. I want you particularly to be here. Yeah, for what? You hear me tell all of you who murdered William Avery. Maybe I don't want to hear that. Maybe you already know. Mr. Vance, may I ask what we're waiting for? That is, if you do have something to tell us. Of course, Mrs. Avery. Oh, Sheriff. Yep, yep, that's me. Ain't had nobody to arrest in three years, but I'm Sheriff. I'm afraid that record of yours is due to be broken momentarily. Ah, that's what I don't like about strangers. Always starting something new. <laughs> Thank you, Sheriff. Before I name the murderer of Mr. Avery, I'd like to say that Johnny here and Frank and Doris all had motives for killing him. What if we did? What does that prove? Nothing. I also would like to look at Mrs. Avery's glove, if she doesn't mind. Why the glove, Vance? What'll that tell you? Nothing, actually, Markham. It will merely convince me. Please, Mrs. Avery. You want to see my glove? Which one? Either of them will do. Well, I have a pair just like these in this drawer. Please, Mrs. Avery, I want to see the glove that you're wearing. Very well. Here you are. Thank you. Markham, would you look at Mrs. Avery's hand? The back of the hand is very interesting, isn't it? 
Hmm. Yes. Yes, strong hand, Vance. Yes, it is. Now I want you to see the palm of Mrs. Avery's hand. Look at it, Markham. Look at it, everybody. Blisters. Yes, blisters. The blisters got there when Mrs. Avery wielded the axe to fell a tree on top of her son so his death would look accidental. You killed him, didn't you, Mrs. Avery? Yes. Yes, I did. But I had good reason. He was hurting everyone he knew. He was mean. He was dishonest. But I still wouldn't have done it if I hadn't found that he wanted to have me put away in a mental institution. I would have died there. I'm not crazy. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not crazy. No, Mrs. Avery, I'm sure you're not. Now I know all of you have resented Mr. Markham's and my presence in Northville. You felt that you can best run your own lives without interference. That's right, Vance. We did feel that way. Very well. I leave you with an officer of the law, your own sheriff, and a confessed murderer, Mrs. Avery. I'm sure you'll see to it that justice, whatever it may be, is served. Come on, Markham. We're at you back in the city in the morning. Vance, now that we're on our way home, how did you know Mrs. Avery committed the murder? Well, every time I saw Mrs. Avery, she was wearing gloves. No matter what the occasion or lack of occasion, she wore gloves. She had also promised to show Doris how to crochet, but she postponed the instructions. Why? Well, because her hands were blistered from the axe, just as you said. And how simple it all sounds now. Mighty strong woman she was to be able to cut down a big tree, Vance. Yes, that's true. She did have strong hands. Too bad she tried to take the law into them. Well, Markham, our vacation is ended. Yes, it is, Vance. And so is the tree trunk murder case. world, if there is a murder in New York City at any time, the district attorney may not take a vacation. Someday they're going to come up with the idea of having assistant district attorneys and having a police force uh, that conducts investigations largely without the district attorney staring over their shoulder the whole time. Actually, they did have these things in the regular world, but I guess the follow Vance world's just a little bit behind. This story featured the classic uh, conflict between a detective, 
uh, from outside wanting to investigate a crime and the local townsfolk uh, who resented the investigator. And I have to say that I've never had more sympathetic to the townsfolk. Now, that doesn't mean that I am totally on their side by any means. I mean, essentially, their approach to this killing was he was not a nice person, so who cares if he was killed? But I do think human beings, we do have a sense that we prefer things to be solved through local channels in our own uh, communities. Uh, and detective uh, fiction does kind of uh, try to overcome that sense that we might have and really bring us fully onto the side of the detective going and investigating in an area where, in terms of official capacity, he has no business being, uh, and uh, in a community where he is totally an outsider. Uh, and there, these are some of the things I wrote down that uh, detective stories will often do. They'll have the detective called in by a local. So in that case, the detective may be an outsider, but he's there acting with authority from someone who does live there. Uh, the victim was the detective's friend. Uh, yeah, if that is the good thing about having a detective for a friend. If you are, and you live in a small town, if you are murdered, he will avenge your death. That is, you know, one of the awesome things about having a detective as a friend. I mean, how many uh, you know, different people do you know who will come to town and avenge your death if you are murdered by a local conspiracy? I mean, if you have a plumber for a friend, you might be able to, you know, get some help with uh, stuff under your sink. But most plumbers are not going to come and avenge you, which I guess is why you need to have a detective as your friend. The third way that detective stories get you on their side is they convince you that the town is are really superstitious or they're hiding something. You quickly begin to feel in these sort of stories that there's something there that's oppressing the town and which the townspeople can't rightly stand up for themselves. So our detective hero has got to ride in like either a white knight or a knight in tarnished armor depending a bit on the hero and deal with this evil. Another possibility that will get us not so concerned about if uh, the detective is pushing too hard into the affairs of uh, something that doesn't concern them is if uh, an innocent person could suffer or die if the detective doesn't intervene. And the final thing is if the town's villains start to take action against the detective. Uh, you know, I, I can remember several episodes of Canon where Canon was like, you know, I don't think there's anything there. Uh, I'll just go ahead and go home. Uh, but he hadn't said this loudly enough or to the right people because several villains came after him. And Canon's like, you know, I think I will stay around and solve the mystery. You don't really have any of those methods deployed here. You just have Philo Vance fascinated by an unsolved mystery and going out to solve it. Which, in the abstract, is fine. But he is digging through people's dirty laundry, really not in the interest of justice, but to satisfy his own curiosity. So I don't actually...
actually blame the two guys who said, you know what, we're not going to cooperate with this. As to the killing itself, I think it's definitely possible for a woman to commit a crime like this, you know, depending on strength and uh, knowledge of the appropriate methods for cutting down the tree. What does kind of bother me is that if she was knowledgeable enough to know how to appropriately cut down this tree, why didn't she wear work gloves when she did it in order to avoid the totally foreseeable consequences of cutting the tree down? Because once that happened, you know, they called attention to her hands like so many times and to the gloves she was wearing. It really was kind of obvious. Over on YouTube, I received a comment on the Philo Vance episode from MLB, the uh, midget murder case, uh, and uh, Mel B writes, uh, Bart Simpson on Philo Vance, and uh, Suzanne said, uh, yes, just like Bart, and was writing in from Denmark. Well, I can definitely... Uh, tell the uh, similarities between, uh, I think it was Colonel Tim was the character in that episode, and uh, Bart Simpson. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that's an interesting tie. Not an exact match, but definitely I can hear how it'd be reminiscent. All right, well, now it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Rebecca, Patreon supporter since February 2021. Currently supporting the show at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Again, thank you so much for your support, Rebecca. And that will actually do it for today. If you are enjoying this on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. The more you do those things, the more the videos are recommended to people so that other folks who are interested in old-time radio can discover our channel. But we'll be back next week with another episode of Philo Vance. And join us back tomorrow for Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, where... Yes? Mr. Sir, I'm Johnny Dollar, special investigator for your insurance company. Oh, well, that's very nice, I'm sure, but... Oh, oh of course, the necklace. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. Mind if I come in? Oh, please do, Mr. Dollar. This is Eddie Lawson, Mr. Dollar, my very dear friend. Just a doll, really. Hello. How are you? I think it's awfully droll and nice of the insurance company to take such an interest in my poor little affair. I imagine they regard $30,000 as more of a rich big affair. Oh, dear. And then I suppose you'll go around prying into all my most intimate secrets and asking such embarrassing questions that I'll just... just... Oh, I think having jewelry stolen is always such a bore. Yes, the insurance company feels the same way, Mr. Sir. Now, if you oh, just... Oh, good heavens, look at the time. I've got to fly. Lily, you remember what I told you? Now, Eddie, don't start being a child. Don't you think these Western outfits are just adorable, Mr. Zola? Well, they do a lot to point up a girl's personality, all right. Well, maybe this investigation won't be such a chore after all. Oh, dear, I'm late. Buck and Devastator are going to be just furious. Oh, well, tell him all about it, Eddie. That's my show tonight, Johnny. Ten o'clock at the Billion Dollar Club. Uh, join me for a snack afterwards. Here by the pool. That's where it all happened. Good all. Buck and Devastator. Buck Bartlett. He's the writing instructor at the Lazy J's Tables. 
devastator is the horse. It's a better name for Lily. I'm going to marry Lily, Mr. Dollar. Oh, congratulations. Now, what about this necklace? What happened? It disappeared. That's all I know about it. Well, how? When? Where? Look, why don't you do like Lily said, come around tonight. The same gang will be there, and you can check the setup yourself, see what happens. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Check us out on Twitter at Radio Detectives and follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.